Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And today I've got a stunning guest for you and I really hope you're going to enjoy the conversation. This gentleman is a marketing consultant, speaker and the author of Duct Tape Marketing, The Referral Engine, Duct Tape Selling, The Commitment Engine and SEO for Growth. His newest work, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business, taps into the wisdom of 19th century transcendentalist literature and the author's own 30-year entrepreneurial journey to challenge today's entrepreneurs to remain fiercely self-reliant while chasing their own version of success. One of my personal favorite authors, really delighted to welcome John Jantz. John, hi, how are you today? Hey, thanks, James. Happy to be here. Love love that uh, you've enjoyed uh, my previous writing. I have, but this one's a very, very different book, John. What, how did you come from you know, duct tape marketing through this journey and end up with where you are now? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I've owned my own uh, business for uh, almost 30 years now. And so I, I think what I wanted to do in this book, it's called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. It is uh, structured as a daily, almost devotional, or I like to call it love letter <laughs> to entrepreneurs. Uh huh. Um, yeah. You know, it's not about marketing. It's not about teaching you how to do anything necessarily. It's really more. It's really more. I think about the why to do what you're doing, and I think that that I wanted to write a book that was um, that, that. There's no question. It taps kind of my journey and and how I think and what I've experienced and you know where I've come to in my entrepreneurial journey. But I wanted to write something that was really focused on on the mindset. Um, I work with thousands now of entrepreneurs. And I think a lot of them even get the how to do things. You know, they understand what they should be doing, uh, but but stuff gets in the way that kind of trips them up. They, they don't trust themselves enough to follow through their own, on their idea. They uh, aren't able to fa- to frame failures, you know, that, that happen to them in a certain way um, as, as a learning experience. They're not focused enough on the impact that they want to have uh, on the world. And, and, and I just think that, 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 an entry or, you know, writing from me, you know, I was trying to tackle kind of that, here's a daily practice um, that that hopefully can keep you on track as an entrepreneur, because we all know there are a lot of of things stacked up against us trying to to get us off track. And so um, I I really just, you know, I wanted to write a a very different kind of book and uh, uh, hopefully it'll, it, it will have some impact in the world. Oh, I certainly hope so. There's, there's that fantastic thing of people setting up in business. You know, when you, you set up for yourself and you think this is going to be great, I'm going to have all this spare time, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want, I, you know, and then uh, then the start reality hits you and it's it's not like that at all. What What is a self-reliant entrepreneur? 
Well, I, I think it's a lot of things. Now, the the the, the title, um, some of your listeners may remember, um, you know, I've, it's kind of taken from an essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson called Self-Reliance. And a lot of entrepreneurs you know, mm-hmm. cite that that essay as really kind of being, you know, the you've got this, um, you know, you need to follow your own dream. So that's where that title came from. Um, but for me, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's it's somebody that just realizes that their life is a work in progress and that um, going to work on on yourself is how you build a better business. Instead of, you know, we spend so much time, you know, trying to work in the business and on the business that we sometimes fail to realize that, you know, the business is in many cases is really just um, about who we're being and what we're putting out in the world. And, and if we don't uh, focus on that component, if we don't focus on on finding the joy and happiness in our business, it will suck the life out of you. And was it a was it a personal thing? Was there an experience or something that that changed in you that made you think, Do you know what, I need to write this kind of book? I, I can't say there was an event or anything. It's really more that uh, um, you know, about ten years into my business, I, you know, I felt like it wasn't really going where I wanted. I felt a little stuck. I felt like I'd just kind of been taking whatever came along, um, and that was really actually the point where I decided to completely change my business, go after small business. Uh, write duct tape marketing, you know, create uh, um, my approach to small business marketing as as kind of my uh, gift or or um, plague. I'm not sure which uh, to the world, um, and, <laughs> and 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 that, and it was at that time that that you know I really kind of did have a revelation that you know I need to be I need to be doing this for me, not not for me, but in a way that that really feels unique to my gifts and. Um, and the impact that I can bring to the world. And, and I think at that point, you know, I kind of started this sort of self-examination and, and it's continued to where, you know, I've consumed pretty much everything I can to, you know, to, to you know, figure out, you know, what I'm thinking, why I'm thinking that, you know, how, how can I have a positive impact on the world? How can I take better care of my, my mind and body and spirit so that, that I can really um, bring my unique gifts to the world? And so, you know, in in a way, I feel like I've been writing this book for twenty years, and it just kind of came to the point where it, it bubbled up. I suppose it needed to be it needed to be out there. Your nineteenth century literature is an interesting place to be. What it is? What is it about that that that's so relevant? Do you think? Well, to me, you know, you you will see if you spend any time on Pinterest or anything like that, you're going to see, you know, quotes from uh, Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, of course, American uh, writers that are uh, known all over the world, but certainly very important American writers. Um, I dug into that period when that con- when their content was written. I was looking for kind of a way to anchor the book, so every day starts with. Uh, um, a quote from some, or really a reading from some mid nineteenth century literature, um, and then kind of my my uh, reflection on that. And if you think about what was going on, at least in America uh, at the time of that most of that writing, 1850, 1860, we were on the cusp of a civil war. Uh, women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. We were trying to abolish the the, the horrible act of slavery, um, and it was the first mm-hmm. time that a lot of the writing. Some very overt, like Emerson, was saying, "Hey, it's time to stop listening to our preachers or our parents or our politicians or you know people that are telling us we have to live our life a certain way. That we're all endowed mm-hmm. with 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 a soul, a unique uh, soul, and a unique gift that we're meant to bring to the world. And and you know that was that was 
you know, counterculture <laughs> thinking uh, at the time. And when I dug in a little bit, I found that really a lot of the works of fiction, even that that many of us uh, read, um, at least again in America, uh, you know, Moby Dick and Scarlet Letter, and, uh-huh. uh, Little Women. I mean, these were required reading. Well, the, it was the first yep. time also um, in American literature where the protagonists, you know, were showing up as this very self-reliant, you know, this may cost me, but I, you know, I have to live and, and stay true to my dream. I think that's still some of the best entrepreneurial writing out there. And so that's really when I started digging into it and, and researching, you know, letters and journals, not just the the works that everybody's familiar with, but, but really just how they thought. Um, it, it just, it just seemed like the perfect uh, vein of literature to, to mine. And, 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 you know, I, I don't know if it's ironic or um, telling, but I, I feel like uh, around the globe, I feel like we're, we're on, we're, we're kind of, there's some real similarities right now <laughs> to uh, that period yeah. of time. Um, and so I think entrepreneurs have always been the, the force of good, you know, have always been the ones that are, you know, out there trying to, to tackle the world's wrongs. Um, so I think, I think an army of self-reliant entrepreneurs um, is really one of the ways that I think we're going to get back on track. It's it's interesting you mentioned the kind of history repeating itself there. It's um you know you just have to look into the into the extremes of thinking at the moment, and um, in some ways I think it's very it's very important that we look at these things and think you know how do we how do we what what future do we want? Yep. How do we want it to be? Yeah. Um, you know, there's loads of talk about the generational differences. Do you see real differences in the generations? Oh, I, I think very much, but that's not a new thing. <laughs> you know, I think every generation, yeah. um, you know, throughout history has, there's been some advancement. Uh, there, there certainly are some things that I think cycle. There are historians and researchers that talk about kind of this fourth generation concept, the idea that kind of every fourth generation comes along and, and shakes things up, you know, significantly. But But there's this kind of you know, gradual change with, with every um, generation. And frankly, you know, the, even the writing of this book I shared with, uh, I have shared now with people of all ages. And I find a lot of people, yeah. I'm, I'm a baby boomer, the, the very tail end of the baby boomer generation. And mm-hmm. I find a lot of people my age, you know, are, are, are taking these readings and, and thinking more about like, have I, you know, have I made a difference? You know, what, what impact yeah. has, you know, me running my business done, you know, for my family or for the one or a hundred or a thousand people that maybe I've, I've touched over the course of my business. And I see a lot of, yeah, of, yeah. of millennials and, and Gen Z uh, folks that are just coming up now and they, they, they view work, I think, completely differently. I mean, there's, there's nobody in that or very few people in that generation that are saying, I'm going to go to school, get a 30 year career, uh, retire, you know, with the watch. Uh, they, they're, they're very much, mm-hmm. They're very much my life is going to be about a series of experiments and that I'm going to, you know, try different things. I'm going to, you know, maybe take a completely non-traditional path. Maybe I won't even go to college. <clears throat> I think more and more yeah. are, you know, taking that approach. Um, and so uh, I've heard from folks in that generation that the the, the writings in, in this and, and the readings in this book you know, are really more, they, they really encourage that idea of, hey, you know, find what's true for you and, and put string together a series of 
experiences and, and you know that's how you're going to find your purpose I, I well you've led me into something i really wanted to ask about because i look at this and think right you know i i, I meditate every morning it's something i i started to do a while ago and I, I i find really helps focus me on my day yeah um and i you know when i and i i tell people and they go oh you old hippie and i'm like well <laughs> i wish i'd been born you know i wish i had been a hippie actually i would have been you know right in the heart of my favorite music but uh, do do the more are Gen Zs? I mean, I, I struggle with millennials because they're almost forty, aren't they? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. But uh, do they do they buy into this faster? Is it something that they get hold of quicker, um, or is it is it something that actually everybody can embrace quite quickly? But they need to sort of focus themselves a bit. You know, I don't think there's a real difference in terms of embracing it quicker. I think it's really just more a point of view of how they view it. You know, I think a lot of the the Gen Z folks feel like, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this, you know, even if it's a side uh, thing. And so I, I do think that they, 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 they it feels as though purpose and meaning um, are at the forefront of what they're trying to experience. Whereas I think a lot of people my age, you know, were taught that that's something that you look you look back like traditional accounting and say, how'd I do, <laughs> you know? And, right. uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that that's, um, you know, that's the real uh, significant difference uh, that, that I see at least. I had an interesting conversation on the first series of this podcast with, with a guy who, who basically refuted everything that Simon Sinek put in why. And, you know, we talk about purpose and he was saying, well, actually, do you know what? It's nonsense. We don't need a purpose because each of us have an individual yeah. purpose. What would you say to that? Well, I, I think that um, I probably fall somewhere in between. Um, and, and really, right. the, the reason I say that is because I think a lot of people read a book like Simon's and they think, OK, I have to sit in this room and figure out what my purpose is. you know, And I have to go through these exercises mm-hmm. and fill out these forms and these sheets and then I'll have yeah, my yeah. purpose. Um, and that leads people right. to, to coming up with something that sounds good or sounds meaningful you know, to them. But maybe right. isn't at the heart of, you know, of what it is they're meant to do. Uh, so I do believe that we're all, every single one of us, is completely unique. I mean, that's just a fact of science. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. that we have a unique spirit as well. We have a unique mind as well. And I think that if we go out and have experiences, if we go out and stay curious, if we go out and explore, if we go out and push ourselves outside our comfort zone, I think what happens mm-hmm. is purpose finds us. Um, and it is somewhat right. unique. So I, that was a that was a good on the fence answer, probably. But I, I do think the I do think the answer is somewhere in between those two points of view. Fantastic. Could you read us a, a, an excerpt? I think that might be a nice thing to do. Just a, a, if a, you, if you could find something you think might be but interesting and relevant. Um, well, and I guess the three sixty six is the number of days in a year. So does it work on dates? It does work exactly on dates. So I was, uh, we are, you and I are recording this today on uh, November 21st. So. Uh, Shall we have that then? Shall we have today's? Because so I think this will probably go out in January. Okay. Um, if I look at my scheduling, <laughs> some early January. Um, we have a little break for Christmas for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, we can do that or, or another option. Well, let's go, let's go with, let's go with November 21st, John. Another, another option is I could read your birthday. Uh I tell you what, read my daughter's birthday. Have you got the 11th of February? February 11th. Um, another little side note in this book, I have four daughters, right. and I actually uh, 
uh, asked each of them to write the reflection for their birthday. Oh, wow. So uh, reader, readers will find an author's note on uh, four different pages, and that, that they'll, they'll get to experience the writing from, from each of my daughters. Fabulous. All right, February 11. So every day starts with a title, then a reading. Uh, this one happens to be a really short reading um, from the literature, and then uh, my uh, take. And then uh, I actually leave you with a challenge question each day, too. And uh, some of them, uh, I'll warn you, are you might not have the answer to. Sure. All right, February 11. Simply perfect. In character, in manner, in style, in all things, the supreme excellence is simplicity. That was from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's favorite poems in my reflection. Longfellow is one of America's most popular poets. His long-form poems, such as Paul Revere's Ride, The Wreck of the Hesperus, and The Song of Hiawatha, were at one point required memorization exercises in many schools. And yet, in his own work of favorite poems, it is a note about yearning for simplicity that sums up his creative genius. Simplicity, it turns out, is much harder than the opposite. Simplicity, or even brevity of thought and word, forces us to distill something to its core without excess to make our point. But being precise is sometimes the greatest work we endeavor. Simplicity, however, may, best, may be best summed up as an aspiration. To embrace simplicity as a creative force, we might find it useful to see it in all things. Our choices strategies, conversations, possessions, as well as our entrepreneurial vision. Through this lens, it becomes our teacher. Simplicity is about being less busy and more focused on what matters. Simplicity as a point of view helps us focus on the essentials that lead to the success we so desire. In the words of Greg McCowan, author of Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. The pursuit of success can be a catalyst for failure. Put another way, success can distract us from focusing on the essential thing that produces success in the first place. And your challenge question today, what is the one thing you could simplify or eliminate completely right now? Wow, that's going to keep us thinking. <laughs> sure, there's more than one as well. It's uh, <laughs> while you were reading, I was thinking. You know, you, there's there's a lot of a lot of kind of meditations and mindfulness stuff about, um, and and this that's is right. this is quite different, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I actually I actually talk about this book as a practice, and, and I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs have have realized that that developing some sort of morning routine that, you know, kind of gets their head straight. You mentioned meditation mm. um, that that's become a very popular practice I'm discovering uh, amongst entrepreneurs. And, and I think this book could fit into to a practice like that very easily that, that you might read that, you know, before you meditate or after you meditate or mm. before you journal, you know, and uh, like a lot of people do. And, and um, so, so that's, that's that's the reason for the structure. I mean, I think all of us have a, a stack of books on the corner of our desk that we're meaning to get to, um, <laughs> but you know, it takes a lot of energy to get to you know that new uh, that new book. And and where this, you know, I you, you pick it up every day for two minutes, uh, uh, read a page, and uh, and you know you've you've maybe done something really uh, inspiring and and helpful for you to take into the day. I love the idea of that. I say it's um, you know that that starting the day with with the meditation for me, I use you know, use an app and it's uh, and uh, it really does set me up. And I like the idea yeah. of it. You and you, before we started recording, you mentioned that this is going to come 
as an audio book as well. That's right. Could be- yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, again, you you know, a lot of people are using these apps like Headspace and mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, things like that to, to have guided meditations. And yeah. you know, there is an element of these readings that uh, that could probably you know focus that way. I would never put myself out as a meditation coach, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think there there is uh, an element to that. And and I do apologize to your listeners for that Paul Revere thing. Oh, no, 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 not at all. And so what did you learn, John? Because uh, writing a book is a hell of an undertaking, isn't it? I mean, what, what did uh, you learn on the way through? Well, it, it's funny. You know, my other books have been about marketing, as you mentioned. And a lot of times in those books, I was really just kind of recounting. Here's what I do. You know, here's how it worked. Maybe it'll work for you. <laughs> and so, you know, the, I'm not saying that there wasn't a lot of work, but um, this book, I had six months of research uh, to, for the readings. Um, six, another six months to actually write. Um, turns out, um, James, it's actually harder to write short pages than it is to write long pages. Um, and, uh, and so to answer your question, you, you know, it was almost like a gift of being able to spend, you know, almost an entire year immersed in thinking about the concepts that, that, that I write about in this book. And I, I find myself, you know, thinking, um, you know, differently about, the mark I want to leave, I find myself thinking differently about success mm-hmm. and about uh, comparison. <laughs> um, and, and I think those are all good things. Um, and, and it really, so it was really, uh, um, you know, I credit my team uh, in, in my company for, you know, giving me the space to, and my, my family, you know, for giving me the space to write this because it mm-hmm. in some ways was, you know, almost a selfish endeavor uh, to, you know, to immerse yourself so deeply in something like that. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it leaves, um, you know, others um, better off, uh, you know, for having uh, engaged in the content. Absolutely. And you say, you know, your family with four girls, um, that's a busy household. <laughs> well, it was. Yeah. They are all grown right, and, right. and having, having babies of their own now. So, uh, but yeah, it, it definitely, uh, definitely was. Fabulous. Well, nice legacy for them to come back to, I guess, when they when they they have the time. And what do what do the people who pick the book up learn? What what does this book give that's different to the other books on the market within yeah. a similar vein? Well, uh, here's my um, here's my uh, smart aleck answer. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. <laughs> and, the, and the reason I say that is because you know it's sort of ironic to write a book about telling somebody how to be self-reliant yeah. <laughs> because, you know, self-reliant part is totally on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's been kind of fun to, to share some of these readings, to have discussions with people about these questions and discover that every single person looks at every page differently. I mean, there's no consensus about, Oh, here's exactly what that meant. Or here's exactly how I'm going to answer that question. Um, people come to, this kind of thing. I'm sure you've done this before, you know, where you've read a book and then you go back and read the book the, a second time. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like all these brilliant things are in there yeah. you know, that you yeah. missed the first time, but it's because you were ready to hear them now. Um, and I think that that's kind of how this book is. People will, uh, people will get out of it what they need, you know, where they are, where they need to go. Um, and, and, you know, the beauty of this book from an author's standpoint is, you know, it'll never go out of date. I mean, there's not a thing in here, you know, that won't be as relevant 10 years from now, you know, as it is today. And I think a lot of people will find in a book like this that when they come back to January 1st, say, you know, on year two, 
mm-hmm. you know, that reading will mean something completely different to them because they'll be a completely different person. That makes huge amounts of sense. But is there a spirituality attached then? Well, there certainly is a, a spiritual element. The the writers that um, I uh, source quite frequently were, were labeled um, transcendentalists. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it was really, like I said, more of a label. Um, it wasn't a religion or anything, but it was really more of a, a way of thinking. And one of the, you know, a lot of their thinking was uh, drawn from, you know, some of the kind of Eastern wisdom texts. Um, and, and so this idea that we're all connected, yeah. that we all have a unique soul, <laughs> that, you know, nature is a, you know, is our, our, our best example for how to live, you know, certainly um, allows you to kind of bring some spiritual themes into this book. And, and, and as I said, you know, buyer beware, this is a lot of what I believe. <laughs> and so, um, so those themes do show up. When you look back, if, if you read back through them, is there a particular author that really resonates with you? Is there one that you like more than the others? Sure. So one of the things that was really important to me was to, um, I, you know, I, we already talked about, I have four daughters. I'm, I'm sort of acutely aware to, um, to trying to find and source, you know, as many female uh, authors as I could in this particular work, which was actually a chore because of course, you know, a lot of the, uh, the writers of that day that that happened to be female, their work didn't get featured. Uh, it didn't get shared, you know, as as, as widely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very fun turning up some authors that I, I talk to a lot of women today. And if they hadn't taken courses in women's studies or something, you know, they haven't heard of most of these authors. Um, so so a kind of a two part answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I've always been a huge reader of Thoreau. Um, so if I, if you were going to pin me down to say my favorite text, and you will see, I need to do a count on this, but Thoreau probably shows up about thirty times uh-huh. um, in the, you know, throughout the book. Um, but my favorite kind of discovery uh, was a writer named Willa Cather, um, and she wrote um, she wrote O Pioneers and Song of a Lark, um, which are and My Antonia, which are books that people have probably doing any kind of literature. Excuse me. Studies would be familiar with, mm-hmm. um, but I was not that familiar with her work, and uh, so I really enjoyed kind of her point of view. But her her novels are all about kind of pioneering, you know, the West um, in in that period of in, in America. Um, so they're all works of fiction, but uh, her characters were were really gritty, um, and and her writing is very beautiful. I, I, you know, while you're speaking there, I love the idea of not only what this book brings to you, but also the literature it opens up to you, um, mm-hmm. and you know the opportunity to to read new authors or authors that are new to you, and to to perhaps find you know some joy in something you you may not have had the opportunity to come across before simply by you know reading today's reading. Yeah, it's it's kind of a sampling, you know, um, and and it was. You know, it was something that I I really dug in, and and you know, I, I again I should do all the I need all the statistics on here, but there probably are, you know, well over a uh, hundred uh, individuals uh, uh, that are represented in you know throughout the book, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, with one or one or two entries. So yeah, it was it was a great chance for me to dive into that literature, but I'm, I am hearing from people that have said, boy, I, you know, I like Thoreau as well, but I, you know, it's so great to kind of have the cliff notes, if you will, on, <laughs> on, uh, you know, that, that, that period of other writers. Oh, you just give you away the secret of how I got through my A-level in English literature. <laughs> <laughs> John, you talked about what you've learned from, but was there anything that surprised you? 
Well, I think the thing that surprised me the most, and and it shouldn't, you know, I, I mean, now in hindsight, um, but was how relevant these readings are today. I mean, there were times when I would read something and, and say, Thoreau was talking about how much time we waste on Facebook, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> in, in the mid, in, you know, mid 19th century. How did he know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really more a symbol of, you know, the tools change, the technology changes, times change, but the human condition, I think, remains the same. Yeah. Yeah, very, very true. Very true. John, I, I cannot wait for the book to be available to me. I know it's coming very soon. Um, and and certainly the uh, the audio, which I will – I'm going to be one of those people that buys two or three different versions of it, so I'm sure I'm the best client of all. Um, but what's um, – I'd love you to leave our listeners, John, with just one thought, perhaps a golden nugget, something that they could take away and think about and do – to make their businesses better today and better for the years to come, what would that be? Sure, do less um, is my is my golden nugget. You know, it's so easy to get a to do list with twenty seven things on it. Maybe you even hack away at, at half a dozen of them throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But what I think it does is it distracts us from the important things. And you know, it's very easy to fill up a day. Uh, we all know that. And and so one of the practices that that I've done for years that I think has made a huge business or a huge impact on my business is that every quarter my team and I pick three things that are going to be our primary focus, primary objective for the quarter. Um, and we build you know projects and tasks maybe around those. But every single day, I revisit that list and say, "Okay, what am I doing to move these three things forward?" You know, before I plan anything else on my list. What a great tip, John! I have loved chatting with you. I'm sure we could go on all day if we tried, but thank you so so much. Oh, it was my pleasure, James. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.